0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 7, verses 31 through 37. Mark 7, 31 through 37. There we read the following verses. And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and he spit And touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephrathah, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Dear ones, we must never forget that the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the one and only object of our faith. Only the living God can justify us, sanctify us, and heal us. Thus, strictly speaking, it is not even our faith or the size of our faith that saves us. It is the object of our faith that saves us. It is Christ alone that can save such undeserving sinners as you and me. Faith is the gift of God whereby we simply rest and receive Christ alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. Furthermore, we must be ever so careful that we do not trust in our prayers, that we do not trust in our good works, that we do not trust in our baptism, that we do not trust in the confession of faith or in the solemn league and covenant to sanctify us. Again, it is only the living God who can conform us to his image. Yes, he uses means to accomplish this. He uses in his good providence and has given to us faithful church courts and a faithful confession of faith as aids and helps to our faith and our understanding of God's holy word. But these are not the object of our faith, but rather aids and helps to our faith. Listen to the words of the Westminster Confession of Faith in this regard, in chapter 31, section 4, where it says, All synods or councils since the apostles' times, whether general or particular, may err, and many have erred. Therefore, they are not to be made the rule of faith or practice, but to be used as an help in both, that is, in both faith and practice. Dear ones, let us therefore rejoice in the means of grace that God has given to us. Let us rejoice in the aids to our faith, to the helps that God has given to us, to our faith and understanding of his truth, but let us not place our faith in these means, or in these aids, lest we become idolaters ourselves. This Lord's Day, we are going to see how the Lord Jesus used most unusual means to heal one who was deaf and mute. And I submit to you that he did so in order to demonstrate this very truth. Our faith must not rest in the means that the Lord uses to save us, to sanctify us, or to heal us. But rather, our faith must be firmly placed in the Lord Himself as our trust, as our confidence, and as our hope now and forevermore. The main points from our text are the following. First of all, the need of this man in Mark seven thirty-one through 32 a the second main point, the usual or I'm sorry, unusual means, the unusual means used by Christ in Mark 7:32b through verse 35 and thirdly, the effect upon the witnesses, the effect that this miracle had upon the witnesses in Mark 7:36 through37. First of all then the need of this man, Look with me at Mark 7:37:31 through32a And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came into the Sea of Galilee, through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. After setting forth the persevering faith of the Syrophoenician woman as an example to, us to follow in the previous section in Mark, the Lord leaves that part of Tyre and Sidon and returns again to the area of Decapolis near the Sea of Galilee. Now, this would be the same general area where the Lord, you'll recall, had cast out the legion of demons from this man who was possessed. And as the Lord returns to the same area, he is met and greeted by a great multitude of people, many among whom were very, very ill, according to Matthew chapter 15, verse 30. However, out of that great multitude of people, which the Lord healed which Matthew doesn't go into detail with regard to this particular healing, but simply states that there were this this vast multitude of people that were healed, Mark, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, draws one of those particular healings out and emphasizes it for some reason. And the question is, as we're trying to understand Why would the Lord emphasize this particular miracle? What is it about this miracle that the Lord would have us to learn? And that's what we hope to learn as we work our way through the text this Lord's Day. There is brought to Christ a certain man who could neither hear nor speak, at least could not speak with any real clarity of meaning, uh, any clear articulation of speech. Perhaps this man was able to communicate with others by way of writing. We're not told, but perhaps he was able to do so. Or perhaps he was able to do so by some rudimentary gestures. There was not sign language as we now know it at that particular time. And so those would have been if he could not hear, nor was he able to clearly speak, Those would be his primary means of communication. But if that were not the case, that he had neither those means to communicate, dear ones, here was one who was cut off, isolated from the world of communication to a very, very great extent due to his disabilities. First of all, the scripture states that the man was deaf. That is, he could not hear. He could not hear the voices of his wife or of his children if he was married and had a family. He could not hear the rain against the window as he was laying there going to sleep, even though they may not have had glass in that particular day in H but he could not hear the rain falling. I find that very comforting to open up the window during the summertime and to just listen to the rain. Very soothing uh, just to hear that rain and to thank God when we hear that, just the, the wondrous ability God has given to us to hear, to be able to hear such beauties of God's creation. He couldn't hear the birds chirping, the, the, the geese as they are flying over us, returning to warmer ground uh, in the winter, just before the winter, or returning north in the springtime. Couldn't hear that. Neither could he hear the Word of God as you've had the privilege to hear it read today. He couldn't hear any articulation, any teaching or preaching from God's word, as you are now hearing. He couldn't hear that. Furthermore, he couldn't speak and communicate clearly. He couldn't sing the Psalms, as you have been able to do. He couldn't say, Amen, Amen, at the end of the prayer, as you have done. And in that sense, he had no fellowship and communion with other people because he could not communicate. 24 hours each day for this man, there was only silence. Some of us are so afraid of silence that if we're all by ourselves in a room, we've got to turn on the radio or the TV. But this man... Only new silence, 24 hours a day. How he became deaf and was unable to clearly speak, we do not know, we're not told. But I would suggest and surmise that it was most likely the result of some disease or injury that he sustained subsequent to his birth birth rather than it being a birth defect. The reason I say that is that when we consider the second disability that he had, this impediment of speech, it says uh, there the word that's used in the Greek language is actually a compound of two words, difficulty and speak. And so he had not the total inability to articulate sounds and that type of thing, but he had a difficulty in clearly speaking. And this may again have resulted from some injury sustained to the brain or uh, to, to the tongue or, or to something of that nature that controls uh, his speaking ability. The fact that he articulated some words or sounds with great difficulty would indicate that he was most likely not born with that disability. However, it should be noted that his inability to communicate by speech was so significant that he was actually classified in the same category as a mute. Someone who could not speak in Mark 737, where it says, that those who heard the witnesses were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and notice the dumb to speak. So he's basically classified for all intents and purposes as a mute, unable to communicate, though he may have been able to communicate certain sounds and that type of thing. Now, can you imagine the temptation to frustration, anxiety, and anger that would likely confront one who at one time had been able to hear and to speak, but now was unable to do so. One who for the most part of his life was now cut off from meaningful communication with those whom he loved, cut off from the corporate worship of God's people and being able to actively participate. Dear ones, have you recently thought to praise God for the ability to hear and to speak? Has that crossed your mind? An amazing gift that is. Not all people, dear ones, in this city, in this state, in our country, in the world, have that ability. Many do not. Why has the Lord chosen to give you that ability and not others for His own glory, for His own holy purpose? Remember the word of the Lord to Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verse 11, where Moses was Complaining about how slow he was to speak, how inarticulate he was, and that he wasn't the right man to go to Pharaoh and to speak to Pharaoh. And after Moses complaining about that, listen to what God says in, in Exodus 4.11. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb... Or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord? Is it not God who, for his own holy and wise purposes, makes those who are deaf to be deaf? Those who are mute to be mute for his own Good reasons. This is the same way that we understand in John chapter 9. In that particular case, there was a man who was born blind, never been able to see. And the Lord said that he has been made this way, not due to his sin, not due to the sin of his parents, but in order to show forth the mighty works of God in order to glorify God at this particular time. And no doubt, even prior to that time as well, to bring glory to God. How do the deaf, in our day and age now, how do the deaf and the mute receive the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, they receive it through either being taught to read or being taught sign language. And that opens up, dear ones, immense possibilities and opportunities for the ministry of the gospel. Have you ever considered the possibility of learning sign language to be able to extend a ministry of this church? Young people, Children, growing up, learning how to communicate by way of sign language so that we might have a ministry to those who are deaf. Invite and advertise and say, you know, people who are deaf, we invite you to come to our service because we have someone capable of signing out the sermon so that you can worship with us. Sometimes we only look at disabilities as a thing for us to pity. And to feel sorry for someone. Rather than looking at the opportunities that a disability presents to us to serve others, to help others, to minister to others. You see, God wants us to take these types of disabilities and use them for the purpose of ministry. God glorifies Himself through His church and through His people when we do more than simply pity people who are in that situation and do something about it. Let us therefore never forget that all disabilities and illnesses and diseases are God's opportunities placed in our very path to love and help And serve others in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we may often complain to the Lord. What am I supposed to be doing in the church? What is my niche and place of service in the church? Dear ones, wherever there is a disability, an illness or disease there, is God's appointed opportunity for your service and your ministry and to use your gifts? Are you waiting for some grand, great opportunity to pop up for you to be of service in the church? Are you taking all the opportunities by way of crises, by way of, of illnesses, by way of disabilities, by way of this to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. When you serve even the least of Christ's brothers or sisters, Jesus has said, you serve him. You are doing unto him what you have done to others, according to Matthew 25, verse 40. Let us consider the second main point, the unusual means used by Christ. In Mark chapter 7, verses 32b, through 35, we read the following. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. When this needy man is presented to the Lord to be healed, perhaps it was by family members or friends, the text states, and they beseech him to put His hands upon him in Mark 7.32. Now, I find this very interesting in light of what the Lord actually does in the next verse. They want him to put their hands upon him and to heal him. Does the Lord do that? No, he does something quite unusual and extraordinary. That may have been the normal and ordinary way by which the Lord healed As we see in Luke 14.40, that out of a vast multitude of people, it says he put his hands upon all of them and healed them. And that seems to be the ordinary way the Lord healed people, placing his hands upon them. But that's not the way he healed or the means that he used to heal this particular individual. Does this not suggest that these family members or friends had come with a more superstitious view of Christ's power, when we, when we look upon specifically the means rather than the one who is doing the healing, then we again have, have taken our eyes specifically off of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the healer, and placed it more upon the means that is to be used. They seem to have associated Christ's power to heal with the laying on, specifically with the laying on of hands. This seems to have been uh, a superstitious view that that Simon the Magician also had in Acts chapter 8, verses 18 and 19, where he saw that by the laying on of hands, The Holy Spirit was poured out upon certain people and they even began to speak in tongues by the laying on of hands. And he said, can I have this particular power to lay on hands myself so that people receive the same gift? Dear ones, realize that there was nothing sinful about the laying on of hands um, in the ministry of Christ or in the ministry of the apostles. That's not the issue. As I said, that was probably the ordinary and normal way by which the Lord Jesus and the apostles healed. However, when the power and virtue of the Lord Jesus became identified with that means rather than with the Lord himself, it became superstitious. And just about any approved means for our growth in Christ can become A superstitious idol, if we forget who is the one and the only object of our faith, of our prayers, of the regulative principle of worship, of our catechism, of our confession of faith, of our covenant, of our love, of our hope, of our obedience, of our knowledge, Jesus Christ is the object. Sometimes we are deaf to the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ because it doesn't come through the means that we may want. Like when the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ comes to us through our husband or through our wife. If it came through the voice of someone else, we would be more willing to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus speak. But not through that means. I just won't listen if it comes by that means. Or perhaps the Lord chooses to speak to us through our children. Or children, the Lord chooses to speak to you through your parents. Will you listen if the Lord speaks through your parents? Or through a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Or perhaps the Lord will choose to speak to you through a trial that you're going through. Through a disability. Through an illness. Through a broken relationship with a family member or a friend will you listen? Whatever means God chooses to use to speak to you by His Word and His Spirit, will you listen? Or will you tune it out? Will you become deaf? Because it's not the means that you want God to speak to you by. I'm reminded in the Old Testament of how the Lord chose to speak to a very important Syrian captain by the name of Naaman. Naaman was, uh, was one of the most honored and one of the most heroic figures in Syria at that time, apparently the king went to great measures to try to find a way to heal his chief captain of this particular disease of leprosy that he had. The Lord chose to speak to Naaman, first of all, through a lowly Hebrew servant in his household. A young maiden, the scripture says. And she spoke to him of the living God who could heal him. And that the living God had a prophet in Israel. And that through that prophet, God may in fact heal him of his leprosy. <coughs> well, he lowered himself to hear at that particular point this maiden. The story continues. Eventually, he arrives. At the location there of the Prophet of God. And the Prophet of God tells him to go and to the River Jordan and to put water upon himself seven times. That wasn't the way, that wasn't the means that he thought God should deliver him of his leprosy. He wanted something more stunning, something more visible, something more prestigious. If nothing else, there were a lot more clean rivers than the Jordan. That wasn't the means that he wanted to use. But that was the means God had chosen to use. And his servants finally convinced him You know, if he had asked you to do something really important really hard, really difficult wouldn't you have done that? why won't you do this? and so he humbled himself and did so and he was healed and was converted to the one true religion sometimes we just don't want to go and to wash ourselves in the Jordan River We want what we want. We want to be healed the way we want to be healed. We want to be sanctified the way we want to be sanctified. But God has his appointed means. Are we listening? And will we hear the voice of God in the way he comes to us? It's important to say say at this point that those outward means that have been appointed by God say in worship, are not unimportant and they are to be used according to God's appointment. But we're simply not to place our faith and confidence in those means as if by those means we are healed spiritually or physically. By those means or on the basis of those means that our faith is placed in those means that that is what heals us certainly the Romish church looks to the sacraments and to those not simply not simply as means but actually accomplishing and trusting in those particular sacraments as accomplishing salvation accomplishing healing and forgiveness of sin that is not what the scripture teaches We're not to worship God by way of our own inventions. That's called will worship, according to Colossians 2.23. We are to worship the Lord only by the means that he approves and has stated in his word. But we are to worship him and not the means that he has given to us. Look with me now for a moment at the unusual means the Lord here uses in order to teach us to look in faith to him and not in faith to the means that he appoints. First, the Lord takes this needy man away from the crowd, perhaps from his family and friends as well, as we see in Mark 7.33, so that the eyes of faith are focused upon the Lord Jesus than upon the multitude There's no distractions. It's not the excitement of the multitude. It's not the emotional environment or that type of thing that is the focus, but it's simply this man and the Lord Jesus Christ. This man's need and the Lord Jesus Christ that is the focus. It is Christ in all his power, in all his mercy, in all his deity, in whom anyone is to believe. It is not those who have already been healed to whom this man and his loved ones are to look, but to Christ alone. You know, sometimes the Lord moves us out of the multitude, He moves us out of certain close relationships, out of circumstances or situations with which we're more familiar or more comfortable, and he does so, so that our eyes will be solely upon him. He takes us out of that which is familiar and comfortable, so that our eyes may be solely upon him. To commune with him, to trust him, and to see him as all that we need in this life and for all eternity. And next, the Lord uses means to heal this man. Yes, he uses means, but very unusual means. Means that perhaps astonished the man himself and any who beheld what he did. First of all, the Lord puts a finger from each hand into each of the man's ears. Like this. Now if that didn't look strange enough at that particular point, trying to just put yourself in that kind of a situation. He couldn't explain to the man what he was doing or why he was doing it. And the man couldn't hear. He just does it. Puts his fingers into his ear. His ears. And if that weren't odd enough, he spits on his tongue. Now, we might consider either of these options to be quite unusual. We'd probably say, no, Lord, I'd rather not be healed that way. I'd rather, Lord, you simply lay your hand on my head and heal me by the laying on of hands. But why is this done? Why did the Lord do that? I've stated earlier that it seems the Lord was taking the faith of the man and of his loved ones off of the means and placing it upon himself. He is able even to accomplish great and mighty things that may seem ridiculous to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, preaching is called something foolish to the world. Foolish to the world. And yet, that is the primary means that God has appointed by which to bring people into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The foolishness of preaching. Could the Lord have chosen a more sanitary way to heal this man? Could he have chosen a way to heal this man that was more becoming to our delicate sensibilities? Definitely he could have done so. But that's the very reason. I mean, that's the very lesson to be learned here. He consciously chose not to use those means so as to challenge us to see. We simply must submit to the means God uses, He's the one who provides the means and the healing. And we simply submit ourselves to that. Spitting in the scripture was a sign of shame and contempt, actually. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 14, we find there uh, how a father would show contempt for a child by spitting in their face for something that they had done. In Deuteronomy 25.9, again, someone was shown contempt and shame if they did not, if a man did not marry his deceased brother's widow. If he was single and did not marry his deceased brother's widow, that the widow could come, take off his shoe, and spit in his face as a shine, sign of contempt. And shame. And it's often, dear ones, through means and circumstances in our lives that we find shameful and contemptible, circumstances that we would choose not to go through, which the Lord uses to heal us of our many besetting sins and causes us to hear His voice and to sing His praise. Think with me a moment of the shameful and contemptible spitting the Lord of glory endured not for his own sin, but for sinners like you and me. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 67, and Matthew 27, verse 30, it clearly says that he was spat upon. And that, again, signifies how they held Jesus in contempt. How they were, in effect, showing how much they despised him. Can we endure the spitting of others for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ? standing up for what is right and true and faithful can we endure that contemptible spitting maybe not literally maybe not in an actual sense but in a figurative sense can we endure that kind of spitting when our names and our reputations are dragged through the mud for being faithful and true But, dear ones, the spitting of others is the very means that God uses and He's chosen by which to make us all more like him who is spat upon. Are you willing to be spat upon for the cause of Christ? You see, dear ones, the Lord is infinitely more concerned for your character than he is for your comfort. And so we endure spitting because we know the Lord loves us and is using it to make us more and more like our Savior. Looking back to our text now, the Lord then looks up to heaven where our faith is firmly fixed, that is in the eternal God, and he sighs as our great high priest who sympathizes with our infirmities. And then the Lord says unto the deaf man, with a speech impediment, be opened. And immediately he hears, and immediately he speaks plainly. He is healed. Not for the sake of the means Christ employed, but for the sake of Christ himself, who is deserving of all glory and honor and praise. the last main point the effect upon the witnesses Mark 7 verses 36 and 37 we read and he charged them that they should tell no man but the more he charged them so much the more a great deal they published it and were beyond measure astonished saying he hath done all things well He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. The Lord charges the one healed and his loved ones not to tell any man, at least for the present time. This was no doubt due to the hostility of the Pharisees and the Sadducees toward Christ, the hostility which would pursue him eventually to his death. He hath done all things well was their testimony in Mark 7:37 All things well even the putting of the fingers into his ears and the spitting upon his tongue he had done all things well You notice how we have 2020 hindsight We can look back on situations that God used extraordinary means to save us to sanctify us to bring us to Himself, to give to us knowledge, greater knowledge and appreciation for Him. And we can always look back and say, you know, that's amazing what the Lord used at that point. He did and He has done all things well. But it's more difficult as you're facing it or in the midst of it to be saying, He is doing all things well. But that's where the Lord wants to bring us Because at the end of each of those trials and even when we are in heaven, no matter what we have gone through in this life, do you believe in your heart, in your heart of hearts before God, that you will be able to look back and say whatever you endured, however miserable and difficult it may have been, will you be able to say in heaven, God has not done all things well? Absolutely not. There will not be one utterance of that type of speech in heaven. It will only be praising God for all that he has done. Everything he has done. Even the spitting on upon our tongues. The placing of his fingers in our ears. He has done all things well. This man's story, dear ones. This man who was deaf and mute is our story. It is the story of everyone who has come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we were all deaf and unable to hear. We were all mute and unable to speak. But God in his sovereign grace and mercy reached down and opened our ears. Maybe by spitting upon our tongues and placing his fingers in our ears. But he accomplished redemption, accomplished salvation. And he will bring about glorification in heaven. All in his good time. You are his witnesses now. Just as they were witnesses. You are witnesses. And now the Lord no longer says, hold your peace. But now he says, go and tell what good things I have done in your life. Dear ones, let us not presume to tell God how and under what circumstances we will be healed or we will be blessed. Let us not think that we are wiser than God or more good than God or more merciful than God. Let us simply fall upon his mercy, his love for us. Let us fall upon his goodness and trust in him, clinging all the more tightly when we endure the spitting, those uncomfortable circumstances, those trying situations. Where are you looking today in faith? Are you looking to the means for your healing, for your blessing? Are you looking to the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your healing and for your blessing in this life and forevermore. Please stand with me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we praise Thee that our ears have been opened and that we do hear the Spirit of God speaking unto us, even today. We thank Thee for loosening our tongues so that we can proclaim Thy greatness. We pray, Our Father, that we would not ignore nor neglect these wondrous gifts to be able to hear physically and spiritually, to be able to speak physically and spiritually. Lord, we pray that we would reflect even this week upon this man's healing as being our healing, as a type of our healing, a picture of our healing. That, O oh Lord, our God, that Thou would help us not to rest in the means of that thou dost choose to use to bring us to sanctification in Christ Jesus, but help us, our God, to rest upon thee and thy righteousness, thee and thy mercy and grace and thy love, thy covenant of grace, which can never change, but is forever secure in the righteousness of our Savior. Our Lord and our God, we do praise thee and thank thee. And pray, Father, that we would view as well disabilities, trials, persecution, crises, situations as opportunities to serve thee and others, not simply to pity others. Let us go forth today, O God, armed anew and afresh to do thy will, not only to hear it,